Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about a potential marker to help identify youth with type 1 diabetes, islet autoimmunity, and insulin deficiency. This new research was presented at ENDO 2022, and the abstract is titled Elevated Serum IgA at Onset of Type 1 Diabetes in Children. Joining me is one of the authors of that study, Dr. Amruta Tucker of Texas Children's Hospital and the Baylor College of Medicine. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Tucker. Thank you. Okay, so first, let's start at the beginning. What is IgA and why is it important? IgA is a type of antibody. It's actually the most produced antibody in the body. And it's present in the serum and the mucosa, where it's called secretory IgA. And so secretory IgA or mucosal IgA has been more well studied than serum IgA, which is what I'm studying. And we know that secretory IgA prevents invasive pathogens from invading the gut epithelial layer. It also maintains a symbiotic relationship with commensal gut bacteria, which is known as the microbiome. However, the function of serum IgA hasn't really been well studied. But what we do know about serum IgA is that it has both anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory effects. It's actually been found that in pathogenic states like infection, when it binds to the pathogens, it does lead to cross-linking of the FC-alpha receptors on the myeloid cells, causing a pro-inflammatory response, which includes phagocytosis, increased antigen presentation, etc. So it's been suggested that at lower levels, during normal physiological states, serum IgA may play an anti-inflammatory role, while in pathogenic states, at higher levels, it may cause a pro-inflammatory response. What do we know about the relationship between IgA and type 1 diabetes, and what do we not know? There's actually more that we don't know than what we do know. Oh. Basically, from what we do know, type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune process. It's primarily characterized by T-cell-dependent destruction of the beta cells of the pancreas. And studies have also shown that the B cells and antibodies that are produced by the B cells also play some role in its pathogenesis. But really what it's doing here is not very clear. Elevated IgA has been reported in various studies. And even in our practice at our hospital, we found that there's a percentage of patients um, who are newly diagnosed who have this elevated IgA level, but we really don't know what its significance is. And that's why we wanted to look more into this at our study. I love mysteries. So tell us about your study. So yeah, our study um, was a pilot retrospective analysis where we investigated the relationship between elevated serum IgA levels and the clinical characteristics of pediatric patients with um, new onset type 1 diabetes. We analyzed 612 children who are newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at our center over a four-year period. And we defined newly diagnosed type 1 diabetes as within the first six months of diagnosis. And elevated IgA um, was defined as those above the age-specific reference range. We excluded patients who were less than six months of age and those who did not have an IgA level within the first six months of diagnosis. And then we just compared the clinical and demographic variables um, between the patients who had normal IgA levels and those who had elevated IgA levels. And what did you find? 
We actually found that there were elevated IgA levels were present in 21% of the patients mm. that we um, looked at. And we then compared the characteristics of those patients who had normal IgA levels versus elevated IgA levels using summary statistics. And we found that those patients who had elevated IgA levels were significantly younger, or higher percentage Hispanic ethnicity, had lower pH, had higher beta-hydroxybutyrate or higher ketone levels, had higher glucose levels and higher A1C levels at diagnosis. So they had basically presented more severely than patients with normal IgA levels. We then did further analysis using univariable logistic regression and then multivariable logistic regression, where we took all the significant factors and adjusted them for potential confounding variables. Our final results basically were that the A1C level at diagnosis and Hispanic ethnicity were still significantly associated with elevated serum IgA. And patients with elevated IgA were more likely to have insulin autoantibody positive positivity, whereas those who were GAD positive had a lower odds of having elevated IgA. It's interesting that in previous studies, they found that patients who were insulin autoantibody positive were of younger age, and they progressed faster to clinical type 1 diabetes. They're also associated with HLA-DR4 compared to those who were GAD antibody positive, who present at a later age, may have a slower progression to type 1 diabetes, and are more associated with HLA-DR3. And so this elevated serum IgA could be characteristic of this cluster of patients and may play some role in development of type 1 diabetes in these patients. And did anything in your findings surprise you? We actually didn't expect elevated serum IgA levels to be associated with Hispanic ethnicity. And this association remained significant even when we adjusted for confounding variables like BMI. So that was something that was interesting. Another finding that we found interesting was what I described before, was the association of elevated IgA levels with insulin autoantibody positivity versus GAD antibody positivity. And so we wonder whether elevated serum IgA could play a role in the development of type 1 diabetes in the select group of patients who are Hispanic ethnicity or have higher um, insulin autoantibody positivity. So what's next? How might you know, your research here being presented at ENDO, how might that impact future patient care or future research? Type 1 diabetes is a chronic disease. And even though we have advanced technology for its management, it still requires lifelong insulin therapy. It leads to end organ complications. Um, it decreases life expectancy. The current tools that we have right now for prevention of type 1 diabetes are extremely limited. Mm. And so I feel that improved understanding of the natural history of type 1 diabetes could lead us to develop new prevention strategies. Um, and there lies its importance. Of course, we need further studies to understand the role that IgA plays in the development of type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And we also want to actually further study its potential association between the microbiome. Because we know that disturbance in the microbiome, or dysbiosis as it's called, could be an environmental trigger that leads to type 1 diabetes. And recent animal studies show that altering the microbiome also can alter the serum IgA response, but we do need more human studies in this area. And so right now, we're actually working on a prospective case control study 
to evaluate for an association between elevated serum IgA and abnormalities in the gut microbiome or dysbiosis in patients who are newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And we're currently recruiting patients for this study. So watch out for that at, end, <laughs> we'll at the next Endo Society meeting. <laughs> yeah, we look forward to it. We're just about out of time, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this fascinating research with us and the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Dr. Tucker's research. If you'd like to hear more about type 1 diabetes, be sure to check out our episode from last September, episode 48, with Dr. Earl Hirsch and Davida Kruger. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the podcast, be sure to let me know by emailing me at podcast at endocrine.org. And as always, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.